Hello, this is Julia Schieffer of DerivSource.com. Just a quick note to say that we are working on a number of podcasts for September and the rest of 2019 on topics that we know you'll find both enjoyable and valuable. This podcast is on coaching skills. It's something that has come up in various conversations with professionals and peers, and I hope you find it useful. Enjoy. Welcome to this DerivSource podcast. I'm Julia Schieffer, the founder and editor of DerivSource.com. Whether it's to navigate a job transition, a company move, or gaining support for a professional or personal goal, people are increasingly relying on coaches to support their career progression. Likewise, companies across all sectors, and of course, including financial services, they're increasingly relying on career coaches to boost the productivity and job satisfaction of their employees. In this podcast, I'm speaking to Lucy Mullins, an executive coach and co-founder of the brand new Ride the Wave Coach Training Program. And we're going to be talking about how coaches can help professionals like you grow, thrive, and boost your company's bottom line. Welcome to the podcast, Lucy, and thank you for joining us. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yes, absolutely. I'd love to. And thank you very much for having me. I'm an executive coach and I also train coaches to become professional coaches. I am currently writing my first book. I'm the co-founder of a fast-growing property fintech called Stepladder and we're helping people buy their first home. And how did I get into all of that? I trained as a sport and exercise psychologist and physiologist many years ago. And then I had a career in corporate banking. And then I set up this portfolio career after training as an executive coach. So what are the typical drivers behind a person looking to work with an executive coach? There are so many reasons why people might look towards an executive coach. Uh, One of the very common ones and is quite pervasive to most coaching is change. People come to a coach because they're looking to change something. It might be a big thing, it might be a small thing, it might be something in their personal life, might be something in their professional life, but normally it's very hard to separate the personal and professional side of things. It's normally all interconnected. People often come to coaches because they feel on their own in their job. So founders of startups and scale up companies sometimes can't be vulnerable in front of their team, in front of their advisory board, in front of their investors. And so having a coach is having an independent person that you can be really vulnerable in front of that will challenge you in ways that other people won't and really be on your side to support you through things that you're facing. And what does a coaching program tend to look like? Is it is it always something that's formally arranged or, you know, people using it for internal purposes or just external? What we're seeing more and more now is coaching becoming what I call coaching with a little c rather than coaching with a capital C. So it used to be that you would engage with a coach for six to eight sessions. You would hire an executive coach, often only for people at the top of an organization. You would engage with that external coach for six to eight sessions. What we're seeing now is a lot more little c coaching, so little coaching conversations as leaders and managers are becoming much more well-versed in coaching techniques and styles. People are using that in their line management meetings, in their annual reviews, in their day-to-day conversations. And for me, that's when coaching really comes alive. 
when leaders, managers, colleagues all use coaching techniques to support their colleagues and their team to grow, to develop and be the best version of themselves on a day-to-day basis. And that leads me to my next question, because if you look internally at a lot of firms in our audience and our DerivSource members will be working largely at corporates and, and big firms, what is the difference between a coach and a mentor? Is there a difference? And can you clarify that difference? Great question. So many people ask this. and I think there is a lot of confusion. Are they just interchangeable words? And no, I really don't think they are. If you think about mentors that you've had or that you may have now, they're often people in your industry, people that you look up to that you might want to be like or that have maybe trodden the path that you want to you want to follow in your industry, in your particular job role. Uh, with a coach, coaches are often from a completely different industry, a completely different background, and that adds value in a completely different way to a mentor. So a coach will be there as an independent sounding board, a challenger of your ideas, and is not there to say, oh, you need to speak to this person or go to this conference or do this thing in the way that a mentor would. A coach is there to help you pull out the potential within you. They will ask you challenging questions. They will listen. They will reflect back what they've heard and they will help you find the answers that you have within you. So I would really advise everybody listening to get a mentor who can kind of show you the way in the industry, introduce you to the right people, tell you what conferences to be at, what qualifications you need to get to further your career and a coach to help you be the best version of yourself, to get the best energy out of yourself, to motivate yourself and to work out what your real strengths are so you can apply those in your career. So you recently wrote an article explaining what coaching is for LinkedIn And I particularly enjoyed the analogy about the ski instructor versus the tennis instructor. Can you explain that? So I love a question about ski instructors or tennis instructors because I'm a sports scientist by training. And when I first learned about how professional coaching came into organizations, it comes from the sports world. So there was a guy called Timothy Galway who wrote a book called The Inner Game of Tennis. And he's also written other books called The Inner Game of Golf, which some of you may have read. And... It's all about how the main opponent is in your mind, not on the other side of the net or on the course with you. And so he was running a tennis school back in the 70s and he didn't have enough tennis instructors, but he also ran a course called the Inner Game of Skiing. And so he had ski instructors available. So he pulled one of the ski instructors um, out to come and help with the tennis coaching and said, put on your tennis whites and hold this racket and on no account hit the ball. The ski instructor had never really played tennis before and coached one of the tennis groups. The tennis groups afterwards couldn't tell the difference between the tennis coach and the ski instructor, and in fact rated the ski instructor as a better coach than the professional tennis coaches. That to me is really fascinating. It's very much about you don't need to be an expert in what you're coaching somebody in. You need to have brilliant observational skills, listening skills. And so what the ski instructor was doing, because they didn't know how to actually advise on tennis, was saying, look at the way the ball is spinning. How high is it coming over the net? Where do you think you need to be standing? How does it feel when you stand over there? They were just asking a series of great questions that was helping the person learning to play tennis what they should be doing. And so I think that is really, for me, the best example of, as a coach, you can go in and coach people in a different industry and you can be very, very powerful in the questions that you ask and help them reflect, but you're not advising them on what to do. So as I said before, a lot of our listeners will be working in the corporate environment. Uh, They might not necessarily have personal or professional coaches to hand. 
Is there a value in team leaders or department heads learning coaching skills to help their colleagues thrive? And if so, what is the overall business impact? Absolutely. And I guess you'd expect me to say yes to that. But the research shows there are you know, many different styles of leadership. But time and time again, all the studies show that a coaching style of leadership is the most popular with employees and also shows a much higher level of engagement, development and productivity. So that coaching style of leadership and management should be used in combination with other styles, depending on the team that you've got, the situation you're in. Coaching style of leadership and management for example doesn't work well in a crisis or if you've got very new team members that you know literally don't know what they're doing that needs a more command and control or visionary sort of style where you direct people but in many many situations using a coaching style where you help people learn for themselves is very very powerful and so I think the impact on business can be really fantastic because it can be very expensive to hire executive coaches you you physically couldn't do that for all of your team you end up doing it just for your high performers and so as a manager a leader having a coaching style can really develop the resilience and well-being of your team it can develop their productivity and it can help them feel much much more engaged in what they're doing so you get so much more out of your team so focusing on the individual tell me a little bit about how coaching skills that a person attains can help them work with other people in their team or in life it's interesting that you asked about life because actually what people realize when they train as coaches and learn coaching skills is actually really improves their personal relationships and their relationships uh, with their family and their friends and they find they're listening to people in a new way so it really does impact across all parts of your life I think one thing you really learn when you train as a coach is you get a huge amount of self-awareness. So even if you're already quite self-aware, your self-awareness goes up, your emotional intelligence on various different indicators really increases. Is you, you have to sort of dig inside yourself to find out what are your hotspots, what are your triggers, what are your insecurities? Because you, you really can't coach other people until you've worked out what those things are. So you go through a huge personal development journey when you train as a coach, which I think makes you a much more approachable, emotionally intelligent leader who's probably prepared to be vulnerable in front of the team, which is always a great thing for building trust with your team. And then in terms of what you can offer once you have those coaching skills, as well as the development in yourself, you can help other people with that. So you will pick up on things that they are saying that maybe they don't realize they're saying and you can reflect those things back to them and sort of hold a mirror up to them so that they gain more self-awareness, more self-acceptance and can work on some of the challenges that they have. But, you know, more on, on that. So with joining a coaching program for a person, is it valid for them to join a course on coaching, but not necessarily become a coach, but just apply those to their own personal life, as you said, but of course, their business life as well. Absolutely. And I think more and more people are realizing that that actually, this is a hugely beneficial personal development journey to learn some of these techniques. And so many people come on some of the courses that I've run don't intend to be external executive coaches and make a career out of that. They're doing it to become a much better leader, a much better manager, and just have what I referred to earlier as a sort of small C coaching. Just ask the odd coaching question. Just learn some really good listening skills. Understand emotional intelligence. Understand their own reactions. It's a fantastic way to really develop yourself, uh, even if you don't ever intend to become a coach. 
So you're hosting an event coming up later this year called Ride the Wave, which does just this, offer people the opportunity to learn more about coaching and more importantly, learn these skills that we've been talking about. Explain a little bit about this program. So Ride the Wave is a professional coach training program. For a number of years, I've run a course at university training professional coaches to get a coaching qualification. And what we discovered is that so many people want to train as executive coaches. They want to become accredited with the Association for Coaching, which is one of the professional coaching bodies. But they don't necessarily want to do all the academic work that goes alongside it. They've done that. That's behind them. They've got very successful careers. And so they want the really practical, hands-on, how do I coach? What do I do if I've got somebody in my team where this is happening? How do I help them work through this challenge? How do I work with millennials is a huge question for so many people. How do I build the resilience of my team? And so all of these really important areas which relate to emotional intelligence, working with other people. And so we've developed this uh, professional coach training program and it's nine days, three modules of three days. And it's really to build a whole raft of coaching and leadership skills, which you can choose to take on and become an accredited coach and apply in a professional coaching setting. Or many people that come on these courses are founders, people working in large organizations that have to interact with people, manage people, both upwards, uh, sideways and downwards. And they take these skills into the organization and use them in that way. And just to give our audience an example, I know that you're obviously an executive coach, but also you train executive coaches. So I'm curious how you apply these in your own life or at work. Yes. So when I don't have my professional coaching hat on and I'm engaging sort of one-to-one with clients, I am the co-founder of Stepladder, which is a startup helping people get on the property ladder faster. And we have a team of 12 And so I use my coaching hat day to day, both with the team, but also with the young people that are signing up and becoming our members. They're all looking to achieve the goal of owning their own home. And so when I'm talking to them on the phone about how they're going to achieve the goal of owning their own home, I'm coaching people every day about how are they going to achieve that goal? What will it mean to them? Helping them visualize that goal and think about the steps they need to take to get there. So it's really lovely to be able to apply it in a different part of my life, in a very different way to a kind of professional executive coaching setting, but it's the same fundamentals of excellent listening, excellent questioning, reflecting back, helping people visualise, and using all the tools that I would use with my coachees in a different setting. And for someone who's listening to this and wants to get started, how would they go about finding a coach, either from an external source or even internally? So it's important to think about whether you'd want an internal or external coach and I can provide some references as to why you might like to think about an internal or external coach. So to find an internal coach, the best thing to do is to go to your HR department because they will know if you have an internal coach training program. Many organizations now do. I think I read a stat yesterday that said two out of three organizations have got some form of either internal or external coaching program. So go and chat to the HR team and see if you're eligible or if there's any way you can access that because they will have particular standards for the coaches that they are bringing in. If you want to find a coach yourself and then I would recommend going on the Association for Coaching website where you can find a list of accredited coaches. But probably the best way and the most common way people find coaches if they're engaging themselves is to find somebody else that's had coaching and get a recommendation. 
But my top tip when you're thinking about getting a coach is you should always be offered a chemistry meeting, which is a free, no obligation, 20 minute conversation, either on the phone or have a coffee if possible in person with the coach. And you should do that with two or three different coaches. If you're going to work with somebody over six to eight sessions and prepared to be really vulnerable and explore lots of topics, you want to just make sure that that person doesn't remind you of an old school teacher or a family member that you didn't get on with. It can be really awkward if you kind of meet somebody and think, oh, this, I just don't feel comfortable. So definitely have a chemistry meeting and get a recommendation. Excellent tip. I wouldn't have thought of that. Lucy, thank you. This information has been super useful for our audience, I'm sure. And, you know, in the summer, I don't know about other people, but I tend to rethink. It's a typical thing right before we get to uh, the school year again in September. We think about what we're doing with our careers and our life. So hopefully this gives our audience and our listeners some food for thought. Thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Julia. I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you want to learn more, please go to the show notes page on DerivSource.com, where we will be putting a variety of resources for you, including links to the associations that we mentioned today and the Ride the Wave event coming up. Thank you for listening. Join us next time.